Good morning. Glad you're here. Um, glad. Looks like everybody has a seat, so that's a very good thing. I'm uh, excited to see you here, and uh, we're going to be we're celebrating today our 20th anniversary. If you're our guest, um, we're very glad to have you here. We don't do this every week. Um, normally, we don't sit around tables and have breakfast food, so I just wanted to let you know that if this is your first time here, that won't, won't happen next week, but since we're celebrating the anniversary that you're not expected to attend at 2 o'clock, but if you'd like to come, you're certainly welcome. Uh, that, that starts at 2 o'clock. Um, if you need to shift a little bit to turn around, get in some of the nooks and crannies that are there, feel free to do that. I know it's, you, if, if you're like me and I had to turn my neck an odd way for a long time, that would really hurt, but um, so feel free to go ahead and shift around if you'd like in the moment. Um, we're talking about identity theft, a certain kind, the way different things get inside of us and begin to erode our true identity that God intended for us. Identity theft, the kind that happens in the business world, is a real problem. There's, it's a $53 billion a year problem. I I got a call a few months ago from Amex, and somebody had used my number to charge a couple of things, and I am very grateful that they caught it. But as soon as I realized somebody had been using my number, my my radar went on alert because I began to, as I went online next time to do my banking, the um, ads for the credit protection came up, and I was reading them. I began to I began to think, now, how am I going to be able to prevent this from happening next time? I want to do whatever I can to do that. Well, in this message series, it's going to be four weeks, we're going to be looking at this other kind of identity theft. We're going to look at some things that can erode your identity, things like bitterness that we're talking about today, an excessive focus on outward appearance, um, expectations, envy, shame, those things can get inside and begin to erode who you really are. God really doesn't, he doesn't want that. Jesus said that in one point in John 10, he said that the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. He, he wants to show us how to deal with these things that can steal our identity, these thieves. And today we're going to look at bitterness. Bitterness, here's a definition, it's a fixed, intense, painful, resentful animosity towards someone. And when you're bitter, it feels so right and justified to want to tear into the other person that's hurt you. That's offended you. The real problem is it's, is that bitterness gets into your system. Hebrews 12.15 says this. It says, see to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. many. Bitterness is something that takes root if we allow it to. It, it takes root in your heart and it grows up. And over time, causes a, a lot of damage to be done in your own, your own identity and the way you go about relationships and things. It's a real problem. It's like a, it could be like a cancerous tumor that's not caught early. The longer it goes, 
the harder it is to reverse the effects of the, the damage that's being done as it works its way through your system. That's exactly how bitterness works in our life. It's an important thing to pay attention to and deal with. And so if we're going to keep thieves out, we have to know how they get in. And so I'd like to take a moment to look at how bitterness gets into your system. This is the flow of how it, how it breaks in. First of all, you're injured. There's an injury. Um, you're disappointed by someone. They let you down, or maybe over time they, they let you down consistently. It's a regular experience, so you, you begin to get hurt by that. Broken promises. Somebody attacks you. They, they may overlook you. Maybe someone in the family doesn't include you in their plans, or someone, the boss at work doesn't catch that you've really given everything you've got to this, this thing you're doing. But anyway, there's an injury of some kind, and that turns into hurt, which is all very normal in our everyday lives. We, we deal with injury and hurt most every, every week at least. That hurt can turn into anger. Anger is normal. It happens. But there's a wrong anger that is ill will towards someone where you don't like what they did and you want them to pay for what they did. And there are different ways that we go about making them pay. Um, We can yell at them. We can slug them. We can uh, give them a cold shoulder. Just ignore them. When we're making plans, or maybe we're doing a project at work, we arrange, if we have the ability, we can arrange the project in a way that really leaves them on the outs and and keeps them down. And so we hurt them. We have different ways of, and strategies that we use to really make people pay, but the injury turns into hurt, which becomes anger, and we, we we want them to pay now. And if we're not careful, the anger grows into resentment. Resentment is a deep-seated ill will that begins to settle in your heart. The anger and the hurt, they amplify as you play the offense over and over again in your mind. It's like hitting the repeat on the CD player. The other day I was, I was driving around doing some errands, and I kept, kept getting in the car, and the same song was playing. And I, I thought, what is wrong? I looked, and the repeat was on the... I, somebody had hit the wrong button, and it could have been me, I guess. I should take ownership for that, but anyway, it was, it was repeating constantly, and I thought, oh, i got to get off that. So I, I, that's what happens when, we, when we're resentful. It just, the same things dredge up and go through our mind over and over and over again. It's on repeat. And then if, if, if that continues, the resentment, it grows into full-blown bitterness, a fixed, intense painful, resentful animosity towards someone else. This flow is why it says in Ephesians 4, it's not on your listening guide, but it says in Ephesians 4, 26 and 27, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let sun go down while you're still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. So we need to deal with anger quickly. We need to deal with it daily. And not just let it sit there because it could be, cause a lot of damage. When anger settles, it causes some real problems because as it turns into bitterness, bitterness contaminates your approach to relationships. 
causes trouble and defiles many. That's what Hebrews 12 said. It grows up and it, it really ruins your relationship. Just like your heart becomes a contaminated source of words and deeds. And it's like a, like a reservoir that a city is using. If it gets contaminated, then as people turn on the faucet and drink the water, it, it hurts them. And that's the same thing that happens as things... As we get bitter and as we begin to relate to people, it, it causes some trouble, real trouble. It begins to affect the way you see yourself, and it messes up the way you relate to the other people around you. Bitterness also leads to a victim mentality. This is where your identity really gets, gets stolen by bitterness. You feel like life is happening to you. You're out of control and in despair. You give up on Finding a way to make things better. You begin to think, I'm doomed to this cycle of thoughts and feelings. I can't get out. I'm, in, I'm stuck. And doom is a really bad feeling. That, that is not a good place to be. You can't find the, the button to stop the repeat on the feelings and the thoughts that keep welling up. And as, as that goes on, over time, it begins to change your personality, and it mars your self-image. It really causes a lot of trouble. To deal with the thieves, we have to use preventative measures. That's what I got concerned about when I found, this, found out those charges were on, the, on my credit card. We've got to use some preventative measures. And God wants to help. He loves us. He wants us, he wants us to be able to get past the bitterness that we're struggling with, the first thing to do, and you might think when I say this, yeah, easy for you to say. The first thing you need to do is forgive. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32 says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another Tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Now, for me, it helps to understand what forgiveness is and what it's not. What it means to forgive is it means you let it go. It means you send it away. And what it practically means is you don't, you don't take the offense and use it against the person anymore. You, you aren't going to pound them with it any longer. You aren't going to keep allowing it to play in your mind so that you want to hurt them. It helps me to know a few things that forgiveness is not. First of all, forgiveness is not forgetting. You know, there, there are some things that have happened in our lives that we aren't going to forget. And so, so it's easy to think, well, I can't forgive because I'm never going to forget this. It's always going to be there. I'm always going to, it's always going to come up at certain times. But forgiveness is not forgiving. It's just you have to do the right thing when the thoughts come to your mind. You have to be able to process them correctly. It's also not discounting the offense. Sometimes I think, well, I need to forgive. I'm just going to act like nothing really happened. I'm just going to ignore this. I'm just going to let it go. It really wasn't that big a deal. It really isn't discounting the offense and taking it less seriously because many of us have been hurt. 
we, we have really been hurt by others, and we've been wounded. And it, 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 we, we aren't going to be able to discount the wrong done in order to get past it. It also means uh, forgiveness is also not feeling good about what happened. So you think sometimes, well, I'm not going to be able to forgive because I'll never feel good about this. Well, you don't need to in order to forgive because forgiveness isn't feeling good about what happened. Forgiveness means you let it go. and, And there is only one way that you can do this. Faith is the only way that you can forgive. I'd like to show you a very quick video clip from the movie Runaway Bride. And in this clip, you're going to see uh, Julia Roberts. I'm not, I can't remember the character she plays, but she's trying to deal with uh, a sin that she really wants to commit. So we're gonna, I think we, you can identify probably this is a normal process that we all tend to go through as we think about things. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. My last confession was... Anyway, I have sort of a technical question. I've been having bad thoughts. Really bad thoughts. Of an impure nature? No, no. Uh, I want to destroy this man's life, career, everything. I want revenge. Now, on the sin scale, how bad is that? Can I... Hail Mary, my way out of that. <laughs> Can you identify with that? On a sin scale, how much am I going to have to pay for this? Now, she's thinking on the front side. We think that on the back side. I, I really need to pay for this. How, how can I pay for this? The answer is you can't. You cannot pay. The Bible says that every one of us has gone our own way. We've, we've walked away from God. We've sinned. We're in rebellion to him. That's left a stain on us that is indelible. It's not an erasable marker. It's indelible stain that we cannot by ourselves take away. But God, who loves us, he made us and He loves us enough that even though we rebelled, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross to pay for our sins. And so if we'll turn around from going our own way and accept what he's done for us, he pays the price. He wipes the stain clean. That's an important thing to understand. There really is no sin scale. They all leave a stain. And we need to be cleansed. If If you can connect with God, and he's made a way for us to do that in Jesus Christ, you can experience his forgiveness and his love in a way that really begins to work its way through your system and make a difference. Not only in eternity. If you come to Christ, the Bible says your eternity is secure. You'll live on with him forever. But right here and now, it begins to invade the way that you think and the way that you do relationships, and God brings his blessing through that. Read the story that Jesus told in Matthew 18 sometime. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but in 18:21 through 35, it's an interesting story. Peter 
asked Jesus, Lord, how many times should I forgive somebody? Seven times? And in asking that question, he was being, he'd been around Jesus a few, a few years, maybe a little while. And in asking that question, Peter was being overly gracious because there was teaching in the day that you should only forgive somebody three times. That's kind of how we think. Three strikes and you're out. That's it. That's the third one. You're gone. So Jesus doubled it. And I mean, uh, Peter in his question doubled it and added one. Seven. Seven times. Jesus' answer was this. Not seven times, 70 times seven. What he was saying is, you need to lose count. You need to quit keeping score and tracking everything that's done to you. And then he explains how to do that in a parable, in a story that he tells. And he tells a story about a guy who owed his master millions of dollars, and he's forgiven the debt by his master. On his way out, he meets somebody on the street. He's just been forgiven by his master. He meets somebody who owes him a few dollars. And he has that person thrown in debtor's prison when he had just been forgiven millions. And the point of Jesus' story is, when you realize how much God has forgiven you, you can then be gracious with people and let it go. You can forgive them. You, you really can. God, God can help you work through these things that are rolling through your minds over and over and over again. One guy said that the longer we struggle with a problem, the more likely we're to, we are to define ourselves by that problem. So you need to set yourself to deal with anger quickly and don't let bitterness get into your system. Just, just don't let it. Only God can help with this. He's the only one that can help you resolve these things because he's the one that has forgiven you and wiped the slate clean. So first we need to stop looking at the wrong done to us and begin to look and focus on the wrongs forgiven us by God. Another preventative measure is to follow Jesus' example. That's it, what you do when you commit your life to Christ. You decide to live life his way. And it's, it's crucial to learn to process injury the right way because, remember, if you're going to keep a thief out, you've got to start where they're going to get in. And Jesus shows us how to do that. When, when you get your relationship with God settled, when you decide to experience his love and forgiveness and accept what he's done, you turn from going your own way, decide to walk his way, he, he helps you to process things, and you can trust God to help. Here's Jesus' example in 1 Peter 2, 23 and 24. It says, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that we might die to sins and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. His death on the cross brings real healing to us as we follow him. And many, many times when, when I'm overlooked or misunderstood, oh, they didn't catch that. You know, I'm not going to get credit. Or when, when somebody attacks me, this, this verse really helps. 
I, I don't have to go back at them. I don't have to make sure that I've got my myself and my interests covered. I can trust God. I can entrust myself to the one who judges justly. So you may be at work, somebody overlooks you, the boss isn't paying attention, you feel slighted, you can trust God with that rather than allow it to fester. That's, that's one of the things that really helps. If, if you give God time, he will defend you. Now, there are some situations, I realize, where you have to protect yourself and defend yourself uh, physically. But it, o- over time, if you give God a chance in the normal situations where injury and hurt and anger and things start flowing, God will defend you if you, live, if you, if you trust him with it and live life his way. God, God is sovereign, and what he does is he, he, he takes everything that's going on in our lives and he weaves it into a larger purpose that he's trying to accomplish through us. And so the last thing, the last preventative measure is don't react, but give God time to make it good in your life. Here's, uh, there's a story in Genesis about Joseph and his brothers. It's a, it's a tremendous story. You might want to read it sometime. Genesis 39 through... 50. But Joseph was, had uh, brothers who became jealous of him. He was, his dad favored him. And the jealous brothers sold him into slavery. They were going to kill him, threw him in a well, and then they decided, hey, we can make a profit off this. So they sold him into slavery. And as a slave, he ended up in Potiphar's house, who Potiphar was um, the captain of the guard for Pharaoh in Egypt. And in Potiphar's house, as a slave, he rose to be second in command of Potiphar's house. And then, I, I guess the wife thought he was a good-looking guy, made a move on him, Potiphar's wife, made a move, uh, tried to seduce him. He refused, but then she wrongly accused him as, of rape. And he was, he was thrown in prison. By, by Potiphar because of the wrong accusation. And it's interesting, as the story is told, it says about uh, him being a, as a slave, it says the Lord was with him and showed him favor. And Joseph was a faithful, obviously a faithful guy. He, he just was doing what he could with what God had handled him, handed him. Same thing happened in prison. The warden makes him the number two guy in the warden. He starts running the prison, handling everything. And so the comment in Scripture is the Lord was with him and showed favor on him. As, as he was faithful with the, the, what he was dealing with, God, God really worked. Well, long story short, something happens to, to get the Pharaoh's attention. Joseph becomes the number two guy in Egypt. And there's a famine in the land. He's been, he's been in charge of a, a good part of what's going on in Egypt. He makes sure that they're putting away the crops as they grow during the good years. They're storing them so that if the famine came, they, they would be okay. And sure enough, famine hits. Well, in his homeland, they're, they're struggling as well. His family, his dad, sends his brothers to Egypt to get, to get some food. They show up, and it's Joseph. Joseph recognizes them. They don't recognize him. And then... Over time, they discover who he is, and he spares their life. They bring his father. They reunite. Everything's good. Well, then his father dies, 
And the brothers are thinking, okay, dad's gone. I think we're in trouble. He's going to squash us now. He's got all this power. He's going to squash us. And they come in before Joseph after their father's death. And listen to what Joseph says in Genesis 50, 20. He says, in, in 19, he says, am I God? Am I going to take God's place? Because they're afraid that he's going to take them out. He says, I'm not God. I'm going to let God be God. But you intended to harm me. But God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. You see, Joseph responded realizing God is sovereign. He's in control. And I can only do right now what I can do and trust God with the rest. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And if you'll let him, God will make it good for you. He's promised to do that for those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. He, it's like a cake. Your life is made up of a lot of different ingredients. And if you eat just one of those ingredients by itself, um, like Crisco oil or flour, I, you know, I don't personally want a mouthful of flour. That's not going to taste very good. But as they're all mixed in and as they bake, boy, there's some really good stuff that comes out of that. And that's what God does with our lives if we'll allow him to do that. He takes all the ingredients, good and bad, he mixes them together and to fulfill his larger purpose. If you're struggling with bitterness this morning, ask God for help. And we'd like to help as well. If you can't let it go, then talk to somebody about it. If, if you want to, let us know. If you, if you trust us enough, let us know on that welcome card. And, and we will help any way that we can. God is the only one who can really help you with this because he's forgiven so much. And out of his love, you can draw the strength and power to let, to let it go. Would you pray with me as the band comes up? Our Father, we thank you for the truth that we find in your word and for the love that you've shown us in your instruction in the help that you want to give in dealing with these very hard things in our lives. We thank you for your faithfulness. And God, I thank you for the truth that you, you've removed our sin as far as the east is from the west. You've removed it. And you've allowed us to be free of that sin, the stain from it. God, thank you for salvation that's offered. Thank you for what you've done and the freedom that we have to follow you, God. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I ask that you'd help, help us to be people who forgive, that you'd help us who are struggling here deal with the bitterness and these struggles and bring them to that place of freedom that you want them to find out. We ask for this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.